Hello and welcome to the Just In Stride podcast. I'm your host, Justin Pugliese. If you love endurance sports, you've definitely come to the right place. On this show, we'll talk to athletes, coaches, and professionals who can help us reach our true potential. Being a student of distance running for over 10 years and interviewing people in the sport for the last five, I've learned a ton, but there's always more to discover. Everyone has a story, and I know you'll resonate with each of our guests as we embark on this new journey together. Join us at home, on the road, or while you run. Together, we'll have some fun. So follow along on Instagram at JustInStridePod and your favorite podcast platform and prepare to be inspired. Come along for the ride with Just In Stride. This episode is presented by our friends at Exact Nutrition, a tasty and healthy way for you to fuel your body before, during, and after a solid training session. I can't leave the house without a few fruit bars in my pocket and they never make it back home. Exact is offering you 15% off your order when you use the code JUSTINSTRIDE. So head to exactnutrition.com and fuel your goals today. I've heard people say do what you love time and time again, but how many times is it actually the case? where we do what we love, follow our passion, and can actually make a living doing it. Today on Justin Stride, I caught up with elite cyclist, pro photographer, and YouTuber, Charles Wimet. His first love was actually skateboarding, but also enjoyed taking photos for skate brands, which gave him access to the latest and greatest gear. Over time, his willingness to try new things has allowed him to grow both professionally and as an athlete. Today, it's high-speed road cycling that has his full attention. While he creates video YouTube content covering all aspects of the sport to help others learn the same way he did years ago. Hey, Charles, welcome to Justin Stride. Thanks so much for coming on. Hey, it's been uh, it's it's, a, it's been a while, Justin. Yeah, a little while. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, you know, I was thinking about it before we were chatting, and like I actually know you primarily as a photographer like this is how was my introduction to Charles like some sick shots and <laughs> shooting different sports or like me while I'm running kind of thing but like you know this this podcast came about because like I saw you you're doing some crazy race race stuff too yeah I sort of uh now um multiplied my my offerings I would say in terms <laughs> of uh, what I do uh of course like a refined moment my my production companies uh what's uh what's got us to to meet a couple of years ago especially with all the the Lululemon activation back then and the events that was uh, going on so um I got my uh, I got introduced to the the running world a little bit as a photographer never as a as a runner and now I'm also uh, doing content but for myself into the cycling world and how's that going for you? So I'm like, well, you're posting a lot as a creator, you know, like I said, we, I know you as, as that, and maybe a lot of people do, but now you're doing cycling and kind of combining those two passions, which is pretty awesome. I mean, I've, I've found a way to make a living off of it. Um, I've, uh, I think your content is something that is, um, you don't you don't see quite a lot of uh, full-time content creator into the cycling world so i i found some sort of a niche uh found a way to to do things that i like to share with everyone and turns out brands want to associate with me and brands want to pay me to use their products and um i i can do more because i got the funds to do it and which one came first the photography or the uh, yeah, photography way more. Uh, that started like 2010, so uh, what already uh, 
13 years old now. I've been doing it. Uh, it's just, uh, it, it, for the, photography was a, a way for me to have skateboard photos because that was my past sport. So it was just a way to uh, try to find sponsor uh, skating uh, with my friends, taking photos of, of each other's and that like slowly and surely evolved into like taking uh, photos of friends' businesses that they started and then like took full on commercial work. So sick. So like, yeah, you were getting into like sponsorships, even as a, as a young age, like how did this kind of come about? It's it sort of work. I mean, in, in the, in the, I feel like I, I've sort of discovered what was like influencing before influencing was. So like in 2011 and 2012, like the word influencer did not really exist, but I was reaching out to skateboard companies saying, Hey, send me free gear. And in exchange, I'll get you photos for your company and the photos online of me using your products. And I like, I've, I've looked up Google trends and like the world, as I said, the word influencer did not really exist back then. So I, it's really what got me um, first into uh, understanding how content can lead to working with companies. Yeah. And that's crazy that like you were ahead of, ahead of the game that way. Like, did you already have, did you always have that kind of like entrepreneurial mindset? Like, do you know where that's coming from? I don't think like it was my first, let's say, um, attempt at it back then. Like, I mean, I was just like fresh out of high school in Cigep here and then like just trying to find a way to do my passions uh, more cost effectively. So it, just for me to receive a box full of gear that I I could use uh, to skate, uh, it was it was big for me back then. And then I just uh, realized the power of photography that every single company in the world needs content, needs photos, needs videos. And I turned to doing more of it as a commercial photographer, commercial uh, photographer as well, as well as my personal brand. Any, any inspiration for like content? I know like Casey Neistat is a big guy in the space and like anybody that you followed kind of the pioneered the way and that you got inspiration from? I think, yeah, I mean, back then, like uh, initially, like on, on Instagram, when I was focusing on photography, uh, it was more of the, the street style photography. It was like just going like in urban rooftoping and uh, urban explorations. I had like quite a few like photographers back then. Like I, I can't really recall some names, but I've always been a true YouTube fan and uh, like a YouTube user. Um which is uh, kind of inspired me of, I, I want to give one day a shot at YouTube. Like I was following all the, the tech YouTubers like MKBHD. So like always super high-end quality reviews. And that was probably my biggest inspiration is when I launched uh, a few years down the road into cycling, uh, I wanted to have a good quality production as well as a good like product review, something that this industry was sort of lacking. Like if you were looking at product reviews on YouTube for cycling gear, I was usually botched video, not that good quality, audio was not great. And I really tried to, to elevate that field and it worked well for me. Okay. So then fast forward to your cycling down the road and you kind of have this creative background too. So you can kind of do both at the same time. So what was your... How'd you go from four sets of wheels to two and, you know, get your introduction into, into cycling? I think uh, the, the transition from four wheels to two came throughout uh, 
2017. I mean, I've been onto the longboards, the, the skateboard scene for a long, long time. I was sort of like, I think like I've done everything I could. I've raced on the World Cup for a few years. I travel everywhere. I've, I've skated the play, best place in the world. And then you get back to Montreal and it kind of sucks. Like here, I was in the Alps. I was skating in Europe for the whole summer in California and then get back in Montreal. And it was not like as exciting. And I just needed a new challenge for myself. I just needed a, a sport that you can compete at home a few times a week. Um, that you can do whatever you want. And cycling was the perfect match for me. There's races, two races per week for the whole summer. It's uh, the community is absolutely incredible. Um, there's, it's, yeah, there's not much adult sports that you can compete and race that much. Mm -hmm. So was there a race in particular that, that drew your attention? And like, you know, normally when you start like get into a sport, Like, oh, I'll get like maybe a beginner bike or I'll get like not a great pair of shoes or like, so uh, how did you enter this? <laughs> I went, I went all in right away. Like it, it's, I am, um, there was the, those famous uh, races. It's called Marzi Lachine. Um, it's a race series in, in uh, Montreal. It's been running for like 48 years. It's crazy. It's like 10 races during the summer. And like, I think. I bought my first, I bought my road bike and then like two weeks after I was racing Lachine and I was getting destroyed by all the, the pros and the elites that was there. But every week I was gaining uh, speed. I was doing more laps before getting dropped until I was able to finish them and then just be now a couple of years later and be able to compete for the podium. Yeah, and that's I mean I've I haven't actually witnessed this live. I think main mainly because like. I'm scared of seeing these these crashes. Like I I don't have the stomach for it because um, everything's super tight, right? Like as I understand it, it's like you're it's doing laps around and around and around. And it's like it's like high speed, high intensity on these roads in Quebec that are questionable. And uh, you know, and then whoever comes out on top, whoever doesn't crash or whatever, takes takes the win. You know, like this is like madness, and like I don't know how you guys do it. It's like Yeah, those uh, those uh, it's called a, a crit, a criterium. Uh, these are my favorite races. I come from a explosive background. I played soccer all my life. I have quite of a a good sprint. Um, so those hour long races are really tailored a bit more for me. Uh, whenever it finishes into a bunch sprint, uh, it gets it gets so crazy. It gets hectic in the last few laps, rubbing elbows at 55 kilometers an hour. 20 guys like super like we're, we're starting 100 guys, and then at the end of the race, there's always half of the field that is dropped because it's too hard. Um, mm. So it, cycling is uh, is probably the perfect sport for me. It's uh, it's challenging. It's high speeds. I love I love speed. I've always uh, loved to go fast. And then um, lots of competition and racing here. So like, you know, my brother-in-law is getting into this too. And he's, as I understand, like when you get dropped, that becomes, it becomes difficult because you have no one to ride with. And so much of it is like this drafting, right? It is, yeah. Um, in as soon as you go over uh, 30 kilometers an hour, the draft effect uh, matters a lot, and especially when you go up to 48 kilometers an hour, which is the average speed of those Mars Lachine, 48. It's mind blowing when you think about it. Yeah. Uh, if you're not in the draft, you're you're suffering 30 to 40 percent more just to go at those speed, which is not sustainable. You cannot ride at that pace with by yourself. So when you're dropped, it's game over. 
Okay, and you do you exit the race at that point, or do you continue yeah. and just like you know leisure? Yeah, when you get catched by the car, which is like uh, leading up the the front of the race, uh, you have to get out of the course. Okay. Your race is done. Okay, so does that make things difficult? Like you know, and I, I don't know how to compare this to like like running, let's say, because I don't know, like you know, normally in in a, in a marathon or whatever, like you don't give a shit about like getting dropped because you no. you're like, oh, I want to finish this marathon, <laughs> you know. Um, even in track and field, I could say maybe like people just finish, you know, in whatever time they finish in and, but like, I mean, in in terms of running, it's, it's kind of like just, I know it's not really a thing, but it's just an hour long. Let's say you take a hundred guys or girls, you put them around the 400 meter track and it's an hour long race and it's the last to win. (laughs) Right. And if you get lapped, you're out. It's basically the same thing. I don't know if this exists, but it's, uh, yeah. Well, that'd be kind That's of cool. I think be. maybe they should. Maybe you should introduce that concept. You know, <laughs> with your influencer ways, maybe you can make it happen. Like run style, like criteria run style. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. But exactly. you would need uh, tight corners. That would make things a little bit spicy. So when when you entered into this this type of racing, this type of sport, like you said, I got dropped every week or whatever. Like, is it is it a deal you make when you're with yourself when you enter this sport that you're you're just gonna stay committed you're gonna keep showing up like I'm Absolutely. just trying to get in the mindset because you know if someone shows up every every week and they get dropped for a whole season it might be hard to come back and mm-hmm. and I don't know you know like what that does to your to your mental game because you want to play the whole time you don't want to play twenty percent of the time so. What's the mindset and how do you like, you know, how do you keep making improvements so that you can progress even though you're not, you know, making it through a whole, whole race at the start? That's a, a very, very good point. I feel like, like from my experience and from seeing other friends uh, who started those, those races, at first you just have to accept that you will get dropped. You have to accept it that you will not finish it because it's impossible when you, you don't have the experience you don't have the knowledge on how to navigate yourself through the peloton and save energy. And it's just a matter of time until you blow out. So the first, I, I feel like the first point is you need to, to, to be okay with being dropped and then set achievable goals. So when you, let's say you start your first race, say, okay, I'm going to do five lap with the peloton and then five lap by myself. That'll be 10 laps and then I'm out. And then the week after you have to come back and say, okay, this time it will be seven lap with the peloton seven by myself and then just like that you can sort of come build up that confidence but it it is also a thing that um you might reach a point where your physical abilities are reached you cannot go any higher and then you're sort of forced to either be drop every single race or you don't race mm-hmm. you just um then your personal goals can then be more towards uh mileage every week you can reach a um a mileage goal uh average speed goal some other goals than racing it's racing is not for everyone you there's a lot of great cyclists probably some of the best in quebec in terms of fitness in terms of endurance that they don't race and they find their own goals into other uh space of cycling Mm -hmm. and so what did they like what do they go into what what do they do other than they they just ride they just do it for the pleasure of being outside being in reaching this uh, mental state of 
you know, when you're in the zone, you're just in, you're by yourself, you're writing for three hours, either slow or fast, you find your fun. And this is what's great about cycling is the ability of um, having quite a lot of challenge by yourself, but also with friends. So there's a lot of people who, for them, cycling is a community-based sport. So they will not really go all by themselves to train, but they will go to all the coffee rides at 6 a.m. by the mountain or to mm -hmm. the Sunday group rides out in uh, Bromore or whatever. So um, you you have to find your own way of enjoying the sports and there's no best or wrong or different way to do it. It's just people uh, find what's good for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, and I, I mean, being in triathlon when I was like, that was the best just going out for these long rides and just thinking about whatever I used to go out by myself. Cause you know, you can't always get training partners and train in the heat and train in Tremblant, you know, wherever it is and just be with yourself on the bike. And I mean, it's, it is a cool kind of feeling, a great feeling. How do you train for this, this specific type of racing? You know, like you do uh, laps, you know, in, the, in your neighborhood. Or, yeah. Yeah. And, um, I feel it's, it's, it's a little bit more, I think maybe like running, correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, you have to first do like, let's say the service season, you do a shitload of zone two riding. You need to, you need to go slow to go fast later. Uh, it's, the, I think it's, uh, the same philosophy. Um, if you if you say, okay, I'm, I'm a sprinter, I'm only going to train sprinting. The problem is you're not going to reach the end of the race. Uh, cause the racing is so hard as an endurance sport that even though you have uh, Olympic sprint, you can't, you will not be there at the finish line of the race. So that is a, a challenge with cycling is, um, the, the way that races are made is they're so difficult in terms of, of endurance, but if you want to win it and it's a bunch sprint, you need to be a sprinter. So when you're a sprinter, you're not an endurance guy. So you have to be sort of a jack of all trade at that point. Personally, for me, as a, as I do have more of a, that explosive fiber in my muscles, is my weakness is the long endurance sustained effort. So a lot of zone two, a lot of uh, tempo work, a lot of uh, training that allows me to reach the finish line fresh to launch a sprint. Because mm -hmm. that's where you're going to like, it's like your kick at the end. You're going to, exactly. I saw that like, like last week you came in, was it? top 10 or something you, yeah you post, you post like and you have this camera on your on your bike and it's like that's such a cool like first person view like i feel like i was in a video game it was awesome yeah it's it's the way i i do it it's uh the way i repurpose my content from racing is i i try to bring people uh, through my eyes of racing i have some um some other videos of uh, at end of races it's all the decisions that i took to be uh leading up to the final sprint so Whenever I was moving up the field, whenever I was letting someone pass me, uh, it's cycling is also there's so much um, tactics and strategy that uh, it's it's what I share on my socials. Uh, people quite like those race end of the race breakdown, um, especially they kind of feel like they're with me here, uh, sprinting for trying to get in a top ten. For me, my goal is always just do a top ten, and um, yeah, it's I, I bring you guys with me. Yeah, it's so good. And I mean, it's a view that, you know, you get in like when you're watching F1 and stuff like that, you know, like when yeah. you're in the in the car. It's like this. And then we, with all the data, the speed, the power output. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so to, to wrap up your, your question, like the, the power output that you see at the end of 
sprinting at the end of races is so much lower than what I can actually do when I'm fresh. So yeah, it's a matter of putting as much wattage or uh, at the end of a race as possible, considering that you've been racing for an hour full gas. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of it too is, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but racing, not necessarily like racing yourself, but like more racing to the competition. Is that because you want to stay in, in, you want to stay in the pack. So I mean, when you talk about strategy, that's coming into play. Like, you know how much you have, you know, these guys, you see them Mm -hmm. each week, their strengths, their weaknesses. So a lot of it is how these races play out versus yourself as an athlete. It's where, where you are within that race, that specific race on any given week. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we're pretty much the same 50 to 70 guys every week that shows up to the same race. So we kind of, we kind of know each other's, we know which team are strong at what, um, some riders or cyclists don't have a sprint. So for them, they want to finish in a breakaway. So they want to get away from the field. So they kind of have like a reduced, uh, amount of people to win the race, because if it finished into a bunch sprint, they have no chance against guys like me and other sprinters so they want to make the race difficult for us so they're trying to get up the road get away so they can secure themselves uh a top five or a top ten mm-hmm. so it's so the racing is also very dependent to the rest of the field who's there who's want to work who's want to get away and um who's gonna catch these guys uh yeah it's who's gonna sacrifice themselves for their teammates there's like in cycling there's we see it in the tour of friends. There's so much team, the team tactics are so important. So if you want to bring your sprinter to the line, there's four guys who have to sacrifice themselves for him to be at the right position. So mm-hmm. it, it gets quite interesting. Even yeah, at you amateur see that, level. You see that at, at the end of a race too, which is interesting. You see all these like, Oh, that guy's a sprinter. That guy pulled ahead early. Cause he, you know, like you're saying, that's his strength. And, I think that's really, really cool, all the strategy involved in that. So what's the end goal of this? Like you guys show up every week. So is there like a points? Is you, are you trying to get on to a bigger event? Is it like, how does that work in, in the world of cycling? It's a good point. I mean, at the at the level that I'm racing, so the, the IS level in Quebec, Elite uh, S1, it's called. Um, the end goal for the younger guys, I would say is, hopefully get noticed and then try to make it into a the level above into a semi-professional team i would say those are some goals of all the the 20 years old early 20 years old um and all the rest who have regular jobs and just do cycling they're just great at cycling or they're ex-pro cyclists uh they just do it because they love the sport there's no like you win the race, yeah, you have fame for 15 minutes and then everyone forget about it. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, it's that sad to say, but you stand on that podium, you get, get there's those fake pictures and then next week, everyone forgot. There's no point. It's yeah. just right. I'm, high level amateur racing. That's the way we call it. So mm-hmm. personally for me, my end goal is just have fun. I, I like to race, create content around it, share my experience. And then um, allows it, that allows me to find more partners, more sponsors, and then I can make more revenue out of it and then race even more. So for me, it's, just, it's like a snowball effect. Because mm-hmm. that's quite impressive too, you know, the fact that you're able to make a living out of it. Like, like you said, a lot of these people have, 
they don't know how to do that. So they have fortunate, fortunate for you, the photography and content creation is how yeah. you make a living. And then you can kind of intertwine the two things and, you know, mm-hmm. you see how that could work. But a lot of people have these day jobs that they do, plus they do the yeah. training, plus they got the kid, you know, or whatever. It, exactly. And and make making money in cycling, just being good in terms of fitness is barely impossible. Mm-hmm. You, you'll see guys who will like make it as a semi-pro all their life. They will spend 40 hours a week on the bike. They they will give everything they have and then to a $12,000 salary per year. Or if you barely make it into the world tour, you could be there at 50K in a, a year. It's, 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 it's brutal for the amount of time, work, investment. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, yeah, it's, it's so difficult and there's no way I'm going to make it pro. I've accepted that a couple of years ago. So my way of making it pro was through what I know how to do well in this content. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Amazing. It's um, my so, it's my exit door. Uh, yeah, basically. I mean, it's, it's, you got a backup plan. I mean, that's that's all. That's what most athletes need to do. They got to figure it out and say, if this doesn't happen, you know, then I need to find a way to to pay the bills. Yeah. So how and, do people know? You were talking about these divisions. Are you invited mm-hmm. to the next division? Because you said we get recognized. So, or do you, or is it up to the individual to decide, hey, I want to make it, I want to be an S2 or I want to be an S1? What determines these divisions and how do you make it and qualify? And is this Canada-wide? Is this globally? How does that work? Great question. Um, so can, uh, Quebec has a solid scene, uh, racing scene. So we're very, very fortunate to have a federation that oversights everything, that there's so many events. But in terms of ranking and category, it starts at Senior 3, which is category, or category 3. Um, this is the, the bottom of the where you start racing. Uh, and you're a senior, so from 18 to 34. Once you start to be comfortable racing that, that S3 pack, you, you start to do some podiums, you're strongly rec- uh, recommend to move up to senior one. Uh, there's no senior two. It's, it's just one other layer of um, adult racing. And then in senior one, you'll have uh, guys who work regular day jobs and you'll have uh, semi pros when they're back home in Quebec. Like, let's say they, they spent half the year in Europe or half and the other half in Quebec, they'll be there racing here um, in tour category and then the next layer is uci uh, races so uci is the international federation and there's races that to be able to do it you need a uci license and you need to be on a team that pays that license which is very expensive it's like a fifty thousand dollar a year license just for the team to be able just for a team to be able to race those uci races um so if you want to, as you, as uh, I said earlier, some young guns want to be recognized and go on those teams who have that license, so then they can race the one la- level up of elite here in Quebec. Mm-hmm. And in the States, it's a bit similar, but in, for them, they have five categories, and you have to start category five, and then you make points, and then you move up for cat four, cat two, and cat one uh, until you, you race the IGS level in the States. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean for you to be in the division that you're in and what's your, you said you won't go pro, but like, what's your aspirations with all this? Um, yeah, for me, there's, I don't think there will be any way for me to, to go, to move up. Uh, that would need 
me to commit uh, 40, hour, 40 hours a week to cycling, something I'm not going to do. I have a house, I have uh, a kid on the way, and I have a girlfriend that uh, I love and I like to spend time with. So I, I'm, I will never do those sacrifices. So for me, the right now is just to be able to do good at the elite level, um, just make sponsor proud make good content and uh, have a good time basically we d we do it because we love it it's so fun and it's the longer i can do it the, the longer I'll, i'll be in the game for as long as i can and did you enter into this community knowing a lot of people or was that something that you you know grew over time and you know how is that community is that like mm -hmm. you know i know the run community very well People are welcoming, you're invited to their groups, so you can find a run any night of the week. What's it like in the, the cycling space? That's a, that's a good point. When I started, I knew two friends who was uh, doing it more, uh, like start doing crits and races. And it's just a matter of, yeah, you, you get introduced a bit of, like running. So you start to, you go to the, to go, first you go to watch the race. You go to watch your buddy race. And then your buddy hangs out at the team tent. And then you kind of like, join them and start to hang out at the same team tent as your buddy. So then you meet other bu his buddies. And then like, oh, you get invited to that Sunday group ride from the team. Okay, you, you start to make good friends. And then at some point, uh, if you, you stick long enough into with those guys, they might invite you into the team. If you have something like, you, if you show motivation, you show you want to compete, you show you want to go up the ranks. That's the way my my route I've I've done is just hang out with Team I Bike and then until I got uh, proposed, hey Charles, you want to you want a jersey? Yeah, I'll take that jersey and then start to race with them for a couple of years. For other people, for them, it's uh it's just from the community group rides, the coffee rides, uh, the 6 a.m. rides at the Le Club Espresso Bar, it's called, or uh, the Messorem ride on Thursday nights, uh, yeah. where you just show up to uh, a place where the ride start, you start to ride, you meet people and you, you grew like this, but it's also very welcoming. Racing is uh, maybe a bit, um, what's the word? Uh, ex like a, a more ex exclusive club. I would say <laughs> like, you, like if you don't have your, your leg shaved, like you will get called out. Like it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's quite elitism in terms of, uh, the racing scene, like as much as we don't want it, it's, I'm also the guy who, like, if I look next to me on the star line and there's a guy with, like, no, like, short socks, like, I stay away from this guy, right? <laughs> because, you know, like, it's potentially dangerous. It, like, oh, cause, yeah. Because he's not experienced, basically. It's, it's a, it's a, it, it just showcase you don't have the experience. Okay. The way you, the way you dress, the way your kit looks, the way you put your numbers on, your helmets, traps, glasses, just the whole kit, it get it tells a lot about your abilities okay let's talk about crazy. this i want to know yeah. i know i don't want to know what this this i've never heard this so and i'm okay. the guy that you know trying to you know triathlon like we don't wear socks <laughs> like, so, so you know with transition out of water and stuff like that you know so like i don't get the whole long sock thing. okay okay i'll i'll, I'll get you around a rundown of it so for, um i would say red flag number one in terms of uh in terms of uh, racing so listen when, this is when how you're, charles thinks you're cool <laughs> <laughs> you see, you're when there. you uh when you race in quebec you have your your yearly license your your numbers on your back are white 
when when you're a one day license, is you just sign up for the race and then you pay for the one day license. Uh, you have yellow numbers, so that's red flag number one. If if you have yellow numbers, I'm staying away from you. I'm not like <laughs> I'm not riding behind you because it's just prone for you to not know how to corner, how to handle people because you don't have the experience. And there's nothing wrong with starting. Don't get me wrong here. Yeah, yeah it's I just know. as as an elite, as a lot of us, uh, we'll just put chances on our side to avoid crashing. Because it can hurt and it can cost a lot of money for a crash. Mm -hmm. So if you, for personally, if you have yellow numbers, stay at the back of the pack, hang in there, get experience, but don't get into the mix of the, the faster guys. Uh, even if you have the fitness, uh, you need the experience. So uh, other, other not red flags, not the right word, but uh, yeah, short socks. It's just a matter of, um, <laughs> yeah, if you have short socks, you're a triathlete, most probably. And triathletes, they just know how to go in straight lines. They don't know how to turn. Right. Again, I'm, I'm generalizing. Yeah, it's, yeah, no, I get it's, it. I think it's it's a joke. It's a joke in road cycling. Is It's a triathlete. Even if they're, they can output incredible numbers as a steady pace, they they don't know how to end, do handle their bike. They don't know how to take corners at 55 kilometers an hour. So again, you kind of want to stay away of those guys in terms of a into the pack. Okay. I, I feel like I'm walking on, on eggs right no, now. No, no, no. It's it, all good. But... No, no, I do it on purpose. It's, it's um, what else? Shave legs. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a commitment to the sport of uh, it. If if you don't have shaved legs, is maybe you don't take in, enough intention into the sports. So. And it's it's correct again to not have shaved legs. It's just when you you reach that elite level, it's proven that shaved legs are faster. Mm -hmm. And if you don't go for those gains or those mar they're not even marginal gains, they're true gains. Um, it means that you all maybe spend your attention to other things, which is correct. But then I'm staying away from you. Okay, that's it. Uh, the, those would be the the three the main top, categories. The top. The and top you know. I heard too, like with for if you fall, it's it's a bit it's easier, you know, to deal for with cuts, right? Yeah, if you also have shaved legs, is uh, road rashes uh, they get less tend to get infected, um, and it's also better for when you get massage and uh, it's just more comfortable. It it doesn't hurt when you have uh, you have them shaved. Yeah, hairy legs and stuff. And in terms of styling, stuff. also some maybe some. I, I'm not too sure about the running side of the world, but in cycling, the the style that you go for, the brands you ride, the colors, your kit, is it all matching? It's it's a very big aspect of the the cycling community. You'll have guys who only have this one very boutique, niche, expensive cycling brand, and if you don't have that brand, you're out of the club. Like it's mm -hmm. uh, you don't ride with them. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's a big aspect. Um, that uh, for some people, it's their way of cycling is to uh, to to involve fashion into your riding. Mm -hmm. Have you was that easy for you, or have you always been that way, or you know, like uh, with the kits and stuff like that? Since I've always been more on the performance side of the racing sides, a bit less. Like I don't really care about like going out on a training ride with a, a jersey that don't really match my, that's not the same brand as the bib, right? For some people, it's like, it's a, it's a sin. If you it, have no, your, no, it, yeah. it's a different brand of the jersey, it's like, what are you doing for for some people? Not for me. So since I, my goal is all mostly performance oriented, um, that's where I, I mostly put my energy and um, 
yeah, I don't really had any issues with uh, in terms of a uh, kit. Okay, so let me ask you this: Do you think the sport is accessible? Because you know, you mentioned, and it is expensive. Biking gear is so expensive. expensive, kits and socks and shoes and helmet and all this stuff. Like, do you think it's accessible for people? Can they enter at a you know? Is there a lower you know barrier to entry? Like, how are ways that people can get in if they're interested but they don't have the funds? It's a, it's a very good question. Yes, cycling is a money pit. It's a never-ending place that you're gonna just throw your money at and never see a return on it. On it. Uh, but the thing, because the, the the thing is, if you want to do it on a budget, which is you can totally do, you can buy a a thousand dollar bike on marketplace and have have a good time by yourself. But as soon as you start to ride with guys with super fast bikes and super fast kits, you're just not in the game. You're just uh, you just cannot hang, hang with them because uh, bikes makes a difference in terms of the speed you can get and the average speed of the ride. And um, so. I would say like the minimal investment for a decent bike would be like the the three to five thousand dollar to have something decent to be able to compete with the, the ten thousand dollar bike close enough. But then after that, it, it never ends. And as I mentioned, shoes, kits, bibs, like quality stuff is like a pair of shoes is five hundred bucks. Uh, a good bib is three hundred. A good jersey is two hundred. Yeah. And then nutrition, like I mean, you know, you know, also in in running nutrition, nutrition. It, it, it important it is but in cycling it's it's the same and it get quite expensive in terms of the gels when i go out i fucking i eat four five six seven ten gels into a four-hour rides it's if you three bucks each is that's thirty dollars mm-hmm. and then you stop at the gas station it's it, there's a way to do it on a budget but the way i do it is is like yeah it, it, it's expensive mm-hmm yeah, it's yeah, it's just the nature of the sport. I think you know, it's uh, it's not an easy thing, and you know, these these things cost money. Like I did a when I first got when I got my first bike, I think I got it for like eleven hundred bucks on liquidation. Uh, it was enough for what I needed, and mm-hmm. got me introduced to triathlon at least. And actually, I still have the bike today. I think it's <laughs> it's you know, but you know, and you also have that thing with um, with gear that it's like. You could have the body, but if you don't have the engine, like there's that kind of philosophy too, you know, like you, you must see the reverse of that too, you know, like where, you know, some guys, they don't have the best equipment because they can't afford it, but they have crazy engines and they're super talented, right? Oh yeah. We see that all the time. And, and, and the reverse is someone with a a $15,000 bike, very expensive kit shoes, and they can't, they, they, they don't have any legs. And I feel it's, it's, it's. It's also funny. We have this expression when someone has a, a a dentist bike, like a dentist, like a, the guy who fix your your teeth. Uh, it's this is like the it's a this is a running joke. Like if if someone has a fifteen thousand dollar bike and he doesn't ride it properly or to the level of that bike, it's always a little uh, funny. Yeah, right. Say. I mean, and, and you see like you you see that in triathlon too, right? You get yeah. guys kit it out they play the part like you're saying you know the, the guy shows up on the line and, you know you might yeah. avoid him because but we we need those guys because they fund like that we need those guys because they fund the industry <laughs> well that's true too yeah i guess so too but like 
also like what you were saying before about avoiding certain people, I think this is smart way to think about it too, because like you said, one, one little blip, one, you don't know how to handle properly. And then you take five guys out of the race and could be, I'm sure you've seen some pretty nasty crashes, you know? Oh, I, I've seen, and I've seen some very expensive uh, crashes as well. Like I have friends a couple of weeks ago, there was a crash at the race in Bromont. I think um, four bikes frame were cracked, a couple, maybe a, a couple set of wheels. So like a, a crash is quickly 20, 30, 50 grand of, of uh, damage uh, value. So we're we're lucky that that at the elite level like most of the peloton have some sort of a cost price or a bro deal mm -hmm. uh, not much people pay everything full price but some do and when you pay everything full price is uh it's it's expensive for sure where did i want to ask you where did you see your greatest improvement in the sport is there a moment where you you found something that worked and then excelled from there it's a good point. I think this year, even though I'm, uh, I might have uh, this sort of the same power numbers as last year. I've changed all my equipment. I have like a new bike partner. I have faster wheels. I, I took more the attention of details into the, all the marginal gains, into like uh, aero speed suit, aero socks, aero sh everything, and I've done all my best result in like last year and the year before. I was barely maybe cracking the top 10 one two three times a year and now this season i have like seven or eight or nine top tens with the bottom five place finish i would say that it's because of uh my, my new bike the wheels the bigger wheels that i got the and the skin suit so i took a bit more attention to details and i also took more attention of the mechanical advantage so before every bike race i almost like take the chain out I take care, I clean the whole thing. I re-grease properly. I make sure that it runs smooth because you save, there's a watts and energy to be saved and it does make a difference at the end of a race. Mm -hmm. And like expensive stuff, right? So you want to take care of it and make sure it's, like you say, perfectly fine. And you'd like take apart the bike yourself and you know how to put together a bike too. I feel like this is a, a skill that most cyclists need. Otherwise they, they we run into the shop every two days. Yeah, uh, learning bike mechanic is uh, such a such a skill I I recommend everyone too. It's not that expensive to get some decent tools and like and if you you can do most of everything yourself, you will save thousands of dollars. And also, it's not only the money that you save when you bring your bike to the shop; it's the time because sometimes when shops are busy, they say, "Yeah, we'll fix it," but your bike is ready in a week, like. I cannot let, let that happen. I need to fix it by myself. I need to know how. So over the last year, I've I've built pretty much all my bikes. I know how to do 99% of the mechanical work. And once you sort of understand it, how to do it properly, you can also optimize it as well. Make sure it runs smooth. When you have a problem, you know how to fix it. And it saved me a, a lot of money to just know how to do it. Learn how to do it by the tools. And the tools last forever once, uh, right? Um, so it's, it's worth it to invest into that part and, um, in the long run, it will be worth it. And did you learn that on YouTube as well? Or? YouTube. 
everything yeah. YouTube. I'm a, yeah, I've learned pretty much everything in my life on YouTube from photography to cycling to uh, bike mechanics. Once you, once you know how to search properly and you like, you, you know, the right terms to use and you're curious enough to learn over there, it's an amazing platform. Everything's free. And like, I've, I've myself, I've gave back to so many people doing videos about mechanics, about reviews, about techniques, about like, I've, I've, Use YouTube and I now I give back with my channel and people appreciate it, all the tips and everything I'm I'm giving over there. Yeah, what do you what do you think is the the most popular thing or the thing that people in cycling are most interesting uh, interested in? About what I do or in general? Like yeah, about what you share about tips and stuff. Like what's the most common or the the, the thing that that garners the most interest? It's a it's a good point. I feel like I. I'm, I'm sort of like a generalist on you on the cycling YouTube space. Like I'm not like the guy who only do reviews or only do bike films. I've kind of do a mix of everything, which is a blessing and a curse at the same time. Like because some people start to follow me for the the film I've done in Hawaii or the film I've done in Iceland, but then they don't really care about the me reviewing a pair of shoots, right? And vice versa. So it's uh personally for me, YouTube reviews has been incredibly good. Um millions of views over there uh, it generates a lot of affiliate sales as well so that was one way for me to fund my youtube channel is uh affiliate links in the description of products that i'm using that i'm testing and i'm just giving my thoughts on it um and but yeah people are curious about those and um mostly the adventures too so the the, the films that i've done have blew up quite a lot um and it allowed me to uh to, to do very incredible projects that I would mm -hmm. not have been doing without YouTube. So what it, tell me about these projects. How did you head and how did you get into them? Yeah, I would say like the biggest we can talk about is probably like when someone, someone like meet me in, in the street, they're like, oh yeah, you're filming Hawaii. I watched it. All right. It, they, everyone loved that film. So I, I, it was like 2021 September. My girlfriend really wanted to go to Hawaii. And then uh, I was like, okay, let's, uh, let's try that to let me try to find a way to business expense this trip <laughs> all right <laughs> so um at first I've, uh, i said okay we're gonna go and do a bike packing tour around the island so uh, that was our initial plan and then i said oh there was this very like this one climb it's called the Impo impossible climb it starts at sea level it finished at the top of the volcano it's like five thousand meters of elevation straight like one one climb into off-road very uh like four wheelers uh trails very accidented roads it's it's really one of the toughest climb in the world so slowly like i start to send emails to the partners i've been working on and say oh i'm gonna do a vlog just going up this climb right and then like brands started to pitch me money so oh yeah well here's a two grand there's two a few amount of money here and there and turns out i had quite a lot of budget for this uh, for this trip so i brought in a filmmaker that i've a good friend of mine that uh, I worked in the past with, and we made like, this kick-ass hour-long uh, film about this whole climb. Um, the movie generated, uh, did like 200,000 views on YouTube, uh, which is incredible for the cycling space. And it brought me a lot of new followers and new audience and uh, potential partners. So for me, that was pretty much my biggest cycling project uh, to date. And it was cool. an accident. Yeah. And you got to go to like a new place, discover something. And I mean, that's the, that's gotta be one of the more rewarding things where you can combine 
two things that you you love like i guess my question though is how you not keep everything like how do you how are you not working all the time i I mean, I am working all the time. It's, it's, uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I run like the, running my production company and running my cycling own brand as an athlete is either a life I do one or the other, right? It's in it, it, there's no, there is no switch that I can put off everything. It's always on. And even it's the weekend, like I, I, I need to train, but I'm like, I still want to ride my bike, right? It's, I'm not only riding from between nine and five in the weekdays. It's I, I still want to do it on the weekend. So it's and then on the week I have content to edit from the weekend that I film or the race that I've done. So it's like uh, it's I'm working quite a lot. But to be honest, I would not do anything else. I I do very cool commercial work project with Refined Moment. And then when we don't have shoot for a week, I do YouTube or cycling stuff. And then the week after we have commercial work. And then. Like I'm just constantly switching between both, um, which are super complementary. Um, so for me, as a content creator and a photographer, it's it's perfect match for to do both at the same time. Mm-hmm. And were you always able to do this full time, or did you have to have a job before and then be able to do this? You know, did it part time and then move into a full time gig. Could, Good question. I feel for me when uh, I was uh, in university, I, I studied IT engineering, but I was already doing or running my photography business on the side. So I was a student and I was doing photography gigs on the side. Um, Little Lemon, my old four, three years with Little Lemon with them in Montreal when uh, I was still in university um, when all those shoots happened. And when I graduated, I already had a good bank of uh, clients working with me as a photographer. So I just decided to pursue that just photography and uh, probably the best decision in my life uh, to don't go work in IT as an engineer. <laughs> um, to be honest, I don't think I would make anything close in terms of money uh, to what I do right now, being an engineer and definitely not hundred percent close to the amount of free time that I, well, free time that I have, uh, right? Like just for like for me going on a bike ride on a Monday afternoon, it's it's sort of work. I have to stay fit for my for me to go racing and to do, be able to do good content while racing and be in the top finishers. So and so training is also part of the jobs for me to create content. I need to be able to be there at the races. Mm-hmm. And then of course, if you perform well, that's always a bonus. <laughs> it's a bonus, and even though like it's not my as a as an ambassador for felt bikes, like my, I have a yearly contract with them. I have a salary with felt and it's my, my goal or my task is to create content. But if I do good in races, it's a bonus for them, right? It's a, it's like, it's not my job to win races, which is great. It takes like a lot of uh, stress off my, my shoulders. It's other people's job to win races. But for me, it's to do good enough, but then create good content or story around it. Mm-hmm. What would you say to people like, you know, looking to get into to a sport like cycling or, you know, looking to make improvements in either their sport or their their hobby, because, you know, you do both so well. And I, I hear somebody that's like not only passionate about something, but is really a student of what you do. And I think there's probably some good piece of advice you can give to people. I would say the, the best part thing about it is just to to sort of 
learn where to put the priorities in it's it's a bit difficult to explain it's just that it's easy to catch yourself doing something not productive right you're on the couch scrolling tiktok you have to know when to stop and do something productive and put on the shoes and go ride your bike it like i feel like i've i've met so many people in my life that like what they do in their free time is just wasting time and for me that doesn't quite cut it it doesn't work it's uh even i'm always doing something on the pr that produce results or help grow into a direction of of my end goal right so after dinner with my girlfriend she goes and watch something or she do something in the house and i go back on the computer and then i work on my next edit or then it's yeah for me it's find where there's time that you're not productive and ex replace that with something that brings you towards a goal would you say you've always been this way or was there a I think time? so yeah. yeah yeah i think so it's uh it's it's been with me all my life even though when when i was uh i level a soccer player when i was younger with my my dad bringing me everywhere every bike race uh, every soccer game it's just um analyzing like we get back into the car and instead of listening to radio we were just talking about the game and thinking about what could have been improved oh you remember when i played this move i should have done this so it's always like talking and thinking about improvements and to be better at something and it's it's the same with sports and the same as in my photography business it's uh the same with cycling it's there's just be able to open up and uh, accept to uh to do better. Mm -hmm. And do you think that there's things in photography that help you in other aspects or things through sport that help you in other aspects? Like I find that the more we learn and the more we grow, we kind of have this a better foundation for what it is Absolutely. we want to do and like how we go about life and how we break things down. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think so. First, what would help, I feel it would help my photography a lot is my engineering degree, surprisingly, is the engineering degree brought me this uh, skill set of professionalism and work ethic and uh, be, uh, be a great consultant, but I apply it to the photography world, right? So then it works great with commercial work because I'm a professional, I'm never late, I'm on time, I'm sharp, and that's why our the the slogan of my company is we're sharp not the photos it's like we're sharp as uh individuals behind it and again like the the background of skateboarding sponsor seeking well it helped the sponsor seeking of cycling a couple years down the road so basically i what i believe my life is is just i'm accumulating a bunch of skill set throughout the years that i always reapply somewhere else and i reuse the what I've learned in photography in 2016, doing photo shoots for Lululemon to now some work with uh, doing photography in cycling for when I'm going out for my YouTube channel. So yeah, it's just re utilizing past skills to grow newer skills. Mm -hmm. And what, is, what are some of the greatest like, challenges that you faced? You know, is, is there anything that's like stands out to you, like a a major maybe lesson that, you know, something that happened that maybe taught you something quite valuable? Yeah, I mean, I I believe it, it took me a while to accept it that um, 
whenever I do, let's say I, I do cycling content now, like a lot, and it, it's not, not everyone's going to like it. All right. Some elite cyclists, like they sort of don't get the point. They don't get it. They, they talk shit in my back. And I like, I've heard a lot of echoes, like people don't, some people don't like what I do it, and it's totally fine. And it, it was difficult at some point to, um, sort of accept it. Like I had some, uh, I had some more time. And like, I, 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 at some, at some point I sort of stopped it for a while. I was like, eh, why am I doing this? Uh, if I'm, I'm getting like, not everyone like it. But it's impossible, and it, and I have to accept that I'm disturbing other people' uh, like expectations of what is just cycling. I'm I'm not here for just the bike racing. I'm here to create content, and some people they don't like it, or some people they just don't get it. And for me, it just it was just to to understand that, and then just at some point just realize I don't I don't give a damn about your opinion. I'm just gonna do what I feel is funny, what I feel I like to do, mm-hmm. and or, since I took that approach it it grew a lot more yeah because i think that's a good point that the more you let yourself come through in the content the better you're gonna do probably but i think at the beginning it's tough because you don't know like starting this podcast are they gonna like my new podcast are they gonna like my new guests the new logo like i it's so much about what you think people are gonna like and and finally what ends up happening is well for me anyways it's it's you got to go with your own intuition your own gut it's your own thing and just put it out there and see what happens absolutely and all some something it took me a a while also to to realize is 95 percent of the people who actually love what you do they will never leave a comment they will never leave a like they will just watch and listen and i'm i'm that person i am a youtube addict i watch youtube every single day and i never leave a comment or a thumbs up and and i still enjoy my create the creators that i follow um and it's a bit the same with cycling there's people who see me at the, the racetrack or at the race the, the the bike races and they say, oh, Charles, like I absolutely love what you do on what on YouTube and Instagram. But that person never interacted with my content. They never send me a message, never drop a like, but they like what I did. So once I sort of understand that 99% of people who enjoy what I do will never say a word about it to me, uh, it's you just have to keep going and keep doing it. But it's it's always nice when you you get those comments and those likes and those reshares. Yeah. It's it's super gratifying when a, vi- a video goes viral and there's a lot of comments and all of that. But in in the end, mo- the the majority of the people who enjoy it are silent. Yeah, that's the truth. I think, and I get I get a bit of what you're saying too. Like, you'll be out for a run, and someone will, someone I'll, I'll never met will be like. Hey, you're the host of that podcast. <laughs> you know, they know me. I don't know them because they've been listening to my voice for who knows how long, which is <laughs> kind of creepy, but no, <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy. But it's like, it's, it's really nice to get those comments, you know, they, and they hit home big time because, uh, you know, that's the interesting thing about if it's not a like or not a, uh, something you can't see, you know, some people just pass through and, like you said, they're just there. They're just listening, and and they're there every week. But they'll, they mm-hmm. won't say it, or they think they're bothering you, or whatever reason. Who knows? Who knows what that might be? But the, when then when they do speak up, it's quite 
it's quite rewarding. So, um, how do you keep pushing yourself or pushing your limits, um, as a creative? I would say, um, how do I keep pushing the, like my limits? Yeah. Like how do you not get stale with your content? You know, how do you keep doing the next best thing? You know, I think mm -hmm. that's, it's easy yeah. to fall into a rhythm of just the same, you know? It's, it's a good point. I mean, I think I'm, I'm sort of blessed in the word that the cycling is, there's so many subject possible. It's an infinite amount of potential content in terms of either like it's so vast. Like if you look at my IG Instagram story uh, reels, it's either a story about or a ride. It's either the tandem with my girlfriend. It's a bike mechanic hack. It's about a new kit. It's about a new pair of shoes. It's about the race last weekend. It's about, you know, we're like, I'm, I keep going like this on and on and on. And I feel like there's, it's a never ending topic of content for me to say the challenge is which one to do and and which one gets me excited to do uh, lately i've been doing a lot less youtube reviews in the last six months i don't know i don't feel like doing it right now i don't feel like I'm, i've been less active on youtube i don't have any i'm a bit in a creative pitfall of youtube right now i'm i haven't posted in a while i don't know what to do i film videos that i've never edited i don't want to them out but i've been putting out a lot of reels and i've had fun doing reels and and tick i just put them also on tiktok i have fun i just keep doing what i find so until i like i'm not gonna force myself to do a youtube video if i don't i don't see the fun behind it but it will come back i'm, mm -hmm. I'm not like i'm not stressed about it i'm just taking a, a little youtube break right now and uh, at some point i'll find a new format and a new way to, exp to do things and it'll it'll come back and i'll push then YouTube into another, bring it to another level with uh, another endless amount of topic. <laughs> and and what are your what are your goals for the for the bike season for where you want to take your your athletic career? I would say just if if I for the next years if I can just uh, keep up with uh, where I am right now in terms of fitness, be able to be compete into the Cat One here back home. That's that's a that's a, would be my fitness goals uh, in terms of uh, I love to do that to ride the velodrome like uh, we have a velodrome now in Brumont uh, and I absolutely love it so this winter I I think one of my goals is to do to uh, focus on the velodrome a lot and um, hopefully get some res results over there but in uh, other than that it's just keep keep riding keep having fun and keep creating funny content piece of a uh, advice reviews and stuff around what i do and just share what i do um is there this urge to do longer distance stuff i know in, in running you get that where it's mm. like 5k 10k half marathon you know is that do you get that too? Uh, i i know exactly yeah i know what you mean there's some guys who are into the, the ultra cycling and absolutely not um <laughs> it's I, I find it pointless. I don't like, it's not for me. Uh, I like, I've done quite long rides. I've done 200, 250 kilometer rides in one day, but I'm not looking forward to do like a week of bike packing across the country or something like that. Mm -hmm. I it's, I'm a racer. I'm a, I like to, I like speed. I don't like to be in my head for 20 hours by myself riding through the night when it's raining or whatever. 
sort of scenario some people put themselves into. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just stick to what I'm good at, stick to what I love, and it's speed and it's cycling races. And what would you say that um, that sport has given you in terms of, you know, to your life, you know, to your to your own being? I would I mean, first is being super healthy. Um, it's crazy the amount of energy I have. Even though I train so hard, I, I get back, I have energy to do so much other stuff. I'm productive in my production company. I'm productive in all the spheres of my life. So first of all is yeah, cycling gets you very in shape. I would say the advantage out there, if there's runners listening uh, that are injured, uh, cycling doesn't injure you compared to running. Um, it's, I, I know it's, it's a, it's a, not a joke, but like every time I talk to a, a runner friend and then I'm like, all right, so are you injured or are you, or are you currently recovering from injury? And it's always <laughs> one of the two answers. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a beautiful running's cool. I, I, I've touch I've done a few times, but the, the amount of injuries, it doesn't, uh, appeal me that much. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm thinking to start getting back in triathlon because, I need some cycling in my life. I was going to ask you about the injury thing, but it seems like, yeah, unless you fall and break your leg or something. Um, in, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's just, yeah. Instead, in, if you crash and you fall, of course you, you can be, you can be injured pretty bad, but in terms of doing it, you cannot really injure yourself. Other, if you have a very terrible bike fit, but that's a, mm-hmm. that's a easily uh, fixable. I know you're tied to some brands, but can you give a, like a top review of a of a kit for for us. Can you do that? What do you mean by by like? like could a, you say like to, like top helmet, top shoes, top bike? Like maybe in the let's let's keep it to like the introductory. I like that. Maybe not like top top, but like if you want to get into cycling and you need a you need gear, could you do that for us or no? I will. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. I, I could uh, I could get you that. Um, so first, okay, let's say you get into cycling. First of all, uh, never look some under a Shimano 105 crank set, uh, okay. group set. So so in terms of the group set, if you're buying anything used or new, there's five layers of quality. You have the top is Dura Ace, and then Altegra 105, Tiagra, Claris. So you want to avoid those two down, okay? And start with 105. So that's that would say be rule rule number one. I would say if if you you start cycling, avoid a, a brand new bike. Uh, I would say go to buy buy something on marketplace. There's there's incredible deals over there. Uh, it just if find the right size, which is uh, important. But in terms of bike brand, they're mostly all similar in terms of uh, that budget starting price point. Like when you have a Two thousand to three thousand, four thousand dollar. Every major bike brand will have some sort of a, the same, same for same like like uh, product. So I, if you don't have any personal preference nice. in terms of in terms of branding, I mean it's I mean cycling is all about branding. But some people like specialized, some people like Trek, and some people like me like Felt because it's my main partner. Uh, but. It, so that that would be it. I would say start start with anything, any good deal that you can find. It, brands doesn't really matter. Just stick with the the one of the main big names. In terms of uh, Elmet, anything with the uh, MIPS technology, that yellow uh, little yellow sticker, it's pretty safe. It's pretty cool. 
Uh, every bright brand helmet have something with that. In terms of kit, in terms of, uh, kit is there's so many brands. It's the it's uh there's a million cycling kit brands in mm -hmm. terms of jersey and bibs and socks. I don't I I don't have any to to recommend. I would say it's pick pick the one that aligns with your your branding. So if you look at their Instagram page, how what's their photos like? Are they well shot or are they cheesy looking or they whatever find a brand that looks like you i would say and shoes 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 are is very personal um some some people will be only with this one cycling brand shoes and the other can't even wear it it's um because the 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 way carbon is made into the sole is uh it's a make it or break it so some people don't like for myself, like the the brand I I run for the last years is it's Bond shoes, but Bond have a very aggressive carbon uh, way of doing the 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 bath of the shoe, and some people just cannot f fit inside of those. Mm -hmm. So it's shoes are very personal. It's about trying them out, trying different brands. So again, not much recommendation there, and that pretty much covers uh, like wheels, tires, anything that's uh, that looks fast and it's carbon. We'll and, some long socks. and some long socks and some long socks yes <laughs> not not too long not like triathlete like long next near the the knee okay it has to be mid mid calf that would be the proper okay, size. mid calf sock okay cool that, find some good colors a... matchy matchy yeah some... match, match, matching uh it's always good but if if you if you don't want to go wrong white shoes white socks it's always looking good um this is like I don't know, like ninety percent of the belt on rocks, white shoes, white uh, white socks. Mm -hmm. It just looks clean. It looks, it yeah, just looks the best. clean, clean man. White until uh, until that first fall, and then you get bloody socks. And <laughs> yeah, and then you buy another pair. So, are you ready for the the biggest challenge of your life, which is uh, oh. fatherhood? I I'm not sure if I'm ready, but I mean, can, are you, can you be ready yet? I don't know. Everyone told me you're never ready, so I ex I accept that and. I don't know much. I know, like, I we did some research. I did some research, but YouTube. definitely not not enough. Yeah, yeah, YouTube. <laughs> uh, that that's going to start in October. So, um, just uh, just great timing in terms of this the bike season. It's the end of the season. No more races, and then should be technically back in shape for uh, the next racing season in August twenty twenty four. April 2024. You have the crib so, next to the trainer. I can see the setup there, and yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There will be uh, there will be probably some content around that. Again, it's as I told you, this it's a uh, there's million way to do content with YouTube and cycling, and uh, maybe having my baby somewhere in there could make some viral co content ideas. I've seen some. What do I've you seen a guy, uh, like? Uh, yeah, go ahead. I say like a guy is on his trainer and he's just feeding his baby that's on on the chair next to him and that was viral. I don't know. Amazing. Um, what uh, last words here? What What do you most love about your sport about cycling? I think what I love the most is it's something I mentioned earlier is the fact that there's so much races as an adult. Here in Quebec, there's no other single sport that you can race two to three times a week against 
good competition and uh, do it from six months, seven months, a year, and now a, a full year around because there will be races at the Velodrome this winter as well. So try to find me another adult, adult sport that there's such a big competitive uh, scene and I don't think you can find one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it keeps you so on that's If you're at that level, it keeps you on, on edge, on your feet and engaged and what more do you Yeah, and, and also what's great is the... Once you turn 35, you then get into the master category. And then master is another ballpark of, uh, there's so many masters. There's master races. They are big pelotons as well. So you can literally race from until you're from like 13 years old to 60, 70 years old. There's a peloton for you up to your ability and uh, you can have fun and enjoy it. So, And you see these guys? There's some legends in the sport or what? Yeah, sometimes the um, some masters sometimes sign up for uh, S one races, uh, but usually like the master category one, they are like an hour before the senior one race. So we watch them race as well, and then they, we we race uh, after them usually. Nice. So like uh, pass down the torch kind of thing. It's nice to see you can still do that at an oh, yeah. age. And not, and some some like golf. older guys are so fucking strong like especially like on the track like you, you'll find like some 45 50 55 years old that beat my like can beat me out of uh i don't know how to do it but i'll i'll be i'll be that guy in 30 years that's hope yeah <laughs> that'd be amazing uh charles thanks so much for sharing your knowledge um and your your passions with us photographer you're a great photographer a great cyclist and we know uh, you'll be a great dad too in a few months here and uh yeah thanks for taking the time it's it's been a real pleasure it's been a pleasure and thanks for the invite uh, justin and hopefully uh, some people had fun and learned something absolutely we'll talk soon all right bye Thanks for tuning in to the Just In Stride podcast. I truly appreciate you taking the time to listen and I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Please take a minute after this to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. With your feedback, we'll be able to make the show even better and it'll help us reach new listeners too. You can also find us on Instagram at Just In Stride Pod for all the latest episodes and updates. Of course, this show wouldn't be possible without a solid team behind me with logo and design by Vanessa Pugliese, as well as audio, music, and editing by Forrest McKay. A huge thank you goes out to both of them. Guest outreach, social media, writing, and advertising are handled by me, your host, Justin Pugliese. Finally, we'd like to thank you, our listeners, for coming along for the ride with Justin Stride.